According to the Oxford Dictionary, perseverance is defined as doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Persistence is doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Let me tell you a story. When I was growing up, my mother had schizophrenia. There was never a time in my life that I really knew of having normal parents. I did not know my father. All I had was my mother. And I was raised between my grandmother, my uncle, and my aunts. My mother suffered from major delusions and hallucinations. All throughout my life, I was extremely depressed. And this was no different regarding my education. When I was in second grade, I was held back. And then when I got to third grade, I was held back again. By the time I made it to sixth grade, they said that I was too old to be in the sixth grade. So the school that I attended skipped me up to seventh grade. When I was in seventh grade, I was so behind that I sought out counselors at school to see what it was that I could do so that I would be able to graduate on time. I attended summer school for two years in a row, met one of the best teachers during summer school who shared with me how abusive her husband was and how he would do things like push her down the stairs. That was a pivotal moment for me. I don't know what it was about her, but the fact that she felt comfortable sharing stories with me at such a young age, and she was my teacher, made me feel close to her, but also a sense of serene, serenity, because someone was talking to me about something, something important, and they felt that I was mature enough and educated even enough to be able to handle it. After I went to summer school for two summers in a row, by the time I made it to high school, I completed my freshman year and counselors allowed me to do my junior and senior year within one semester. So I did freshman, then sophomore, and then one semester I was a junior, the next semester I was a senior. I would be able to graduate and walk across the stage and receive my high school diploma in 1997. However, Texas had a exit exam during the time called the TOS test. If you are from Texas and you were around that age, <laughs> around the time of 1997, You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I did not pass the math portion of that test. And I went on to not pass it eight more times. 
or seven more times, which made it eight times. I took the test eight times and failed it eight times. <sighs> Talk about feeling down on my luck. I just really felt like I was not good enough. I was dumb. I was stupid. No one really supported me in school. No one really encouraged me. I didn't really have any support. My mother was still very ill and by this time getting much worse. I had moved around from house to house and whoever would take me in at that moment and was living back with my grandmother and she did not understand how the school system worked. And so when I did not get to walk across the stage to get my diploma, she called everyone and told them that I dropped out of school. That was the most painful trauma in my life at the time because I didn't drop out of school. Matter of fact, I finished school. They wouldn't let me go back because I was done. I just couldn't pass that dumb math portion of the TOS test. And I wasn't that great in math. I mean, I had my challenges over the years, but I busted my butt just to try to graduate on time. And I still failed. I did not reach the mark. I worked so hard just to get nowhere. So I went on about my life. And when the opportunity came, there was a program called Dallas Can. And so I enrolled in Dallas Can, and it was supposed to enable me to be able to um, take that test again. And I can't remember, I think it was the TOS test again. And guess what? I failed it. That was the pivotal moment of my life where I knew that I was not going to accomplish it, that it was not meant, it was not destined for me to pass that test, that it was destined in my mind at that time to be just where I was. A kid that grew up in house from house to house in the projects, in the hood, who was never going to make anything with her life, not because she didn't want to but because the system did not work in her favor. Either that or I just wasn't smart enough to do it. I mean, I could think about all of the reasons why I probably couldn't do it. Whose fault it was, even if that was just all on me, if it was just all my fault. It was a very distressful, distressing time. Um... I was in distress. So I again went on with my life and my friends were all going off to college and all I could do was just watch them go off to college and live this amazing life and graduate and somewhat have a, a much better chance in getting a decent job, moving out of the hood. Some went on to 
dance professionally for dance companies outside of the U.S. Others just traveled all over the world. It just seemed like everyone's life was going the way that they planned. And all I could do was just watch. So what happened to me is what happened to most. I got pregnant and was having a baby. And um, that was going to be my life. I was going to be a mom and I was going to be a happy mom. I was 23, had my son at 24, and his father didn't want me. So great, now I'm a statistic, now I'm a single mom with no education. But you know what? I may not could have had a good education for myself, but I was darn sure going to make sure my son had one. So we moved to Oklahoma, and there was an amazing teacher store. And I went in that store, and I would buy up everything for my child. Now, I did try getting my GED, but that didn't work either, didn't pass. And so um, it's just me and my boy, and I'm going to make sure that he is educated. And I later um, got married, and by the time my son was in first grade or in kindergarten, he was actually reading on a first to second grade level. The school had things in place to where he could read, he could go to reading for first grade and go sit in second grade reading and then go back to kindergarten um, to do the rest of his subjects, you know, the way that they had subjects panned out for a kindergarten. It was awesome. My boy was reading, and he was reading because I was reading to him from the womb. And I had all of these educational books and Llama Llama Red Pajama and all of these great books for him to read. And when he wasn't in school, when it was summertime, I was on him like white on rice. We are going to be an excellent reader. And of course, we were doing other things as well. But as he was going on from grade to grade, I started to feel guilty. I started to feel like a hypocrite. I started to feel really terrible because here it was, I wanted my son to have the best education, but I didn't feel that I was educated. Years had gone by now, and I thought, well, maybe I'll try this again. So I went down to the unemployment office because that's where I was told there was a GED class going on in the back of the building. So I went to that building, and Miss Lynn, this woman will forever be my hero. Miss Lynn was teaching the GED class. Miss Lynn was an older white lady who suffered from multiple sclerosis. 
she was amazing. She was amazing. She was heaven sent. She told me, she said, okay, I have heard your story and this is what you're going to do. Class doesn't start until August. I think this was around June when I went. She said, it starts in August. Don't go home and twiddle your thumbs. Go to a store, find the most recent GED book, and I want you to study. And when you come back in August, we're going to focus on the all of the subjects except for math. You're going to take the GED test, and you're going to fail the math again. But that after you take that test and you come back, we're going to go hard on math. Then you're going to take it again and you're going to pass. And I was like, what? <laughs> Nobody had ever told me that before. No one had ever talked to me that way. Frankly, no one had really ever even cared. So I did just that. I went to a local bookstore and I purchased the most recent GED book and I went home and I worked my butt off. I studied for that GED test. I started school in August for my GED and she was right. We didn't even focus much on math. We focused on everything else. And I went and I took the test. And I passed everything just the way she said, and I failed math. But this time, it didn't feel so terrible because I went into it knowing that I was going to fail. Isn't that interesting? So then we go back to class, and I go hard on math. She's going hard on math, and we are math, 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 math. Then it came time in December, early December, to take the test. Oh my gosh, I was so nervous. But I took the test, and after I took the test, she told me, now what I want you to do is fill out your FAFSA, and you're going to apply for college. And I was like, what? Wait a minute, college was not really on the agenda. I just wanted to get my GED. But now she actually believes that I can get into college? Guess what? Not only did I pass the math portion of that GED test, but I passed top in my class. Talk about a praise report. My diligence paid off. About a week or so later, I got accepted into Cameron University in Oklahoma. My first semester was January. I started right in the spring the following year. And my first semester, I finished with a 4.0. On from there, I made Honor Society, I made the Dean's List, and I got a writing award. 
and I was hired as a staff writer for the newspaper for my school. In May of that year, I graduated with my GED and I was asked to give a speech to encourage everyone else who had been through similar struggles who did not think that they could ever accomplish anything, that my story would inspire them to do it. I owe Miss Lynn and even my son everything because if I did not have the perseverance to keep fighting, I would not have accomplished it. And if I did not see what I saw in my son and wanting that for myself, I wouldn't have even sought Miss Lynn out. It was a pivotal moment for me again, but this time for the better, because it didn't matter how difficult things were Despite the difficulty and the delay, I still achieved success. I have since finished my uh, degree in psychology. I graduated from the University of North Georgia. And in a couple of months, if even that, I will be graduating with my master's in psychology with a teaching specialization from St. Leo University. And then I will be going back for my doctorate degree. Perseverance. Perseverance is doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. I think it is safe to say that I was delayed. I was very much so delayed. I know what it's like to experience delay. But delayed does not mean denied. Now let me talk about hope. According to Again, the Oxford Dictionary, hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. A certain thing to happen. Remember I told you that my mother had schizophrenia. She later passed of lupus when I was 20. I still did not know my father. Now, I had wanted to know my father all my life. I was told by my family that he didn't want me, that he probably was in jail, that he probably was a no good man. But I always wondered, well, what if he's not in jail? What if he is a good man? I wanted to know who he was, but my mother didn't talk about him much because he broke her heart and it was just simply too painful for her to discuss him, the moments of sanity that she had. 
She told me that his name was Brian Jones, which was like John Smith during that time. It was such a common name that it was there was no way that I could find him. And that's all the information I had. Other than the fact that she told me what school he graduated from in Houston. And I did not have a year, a birth date, an address, anything. When I was around six years old, we did not have a house phone, so we walked a gosh, probably a good mile to the closest payphone because we were in the projects. So we had to walk to get out of the projects and we had to walk quite a ways to get to a payphone. And she called a man and she put me on the phone and she said, This is your father. I don't remember what he said, but I feel like I remembered his voice. My mother told me that he had hazel eyes and a beard. But she also told me that day that he did not want to have anything to do with us because he had his own family. My heart was broken. But I still had hope. So as the years went on, I tried to find him. I would talk to people that I knew in the police department to see if they had a way of finding him. And I would talk to family members to see if they could remember if they ever saw him at least one time. Only one person had ever seen him, but she was young and she was in Houston at the time with my mom. We lived in Dallas. My mom dropped out of school and there was no contact with him. Years went on by. I knew there was no way I could find this man. All I had was his name. Then social media came out. At the time, it was Black Planet. Then it was um, MySpace. And then Facebook. When Facebook came out, I started putting his name in the search engine. All I was getting was older white men, honestly. There was no black men because I knew that he was black, but then I thought maybe he could be white. She didn't really tell me, but I assumed he was black. And I'm looking at these men and I'm trying to figure out if any of them look anything like me and they don't. And then there were some men that were really young. There was no way they could have been my father. I was discouraged again. I started to get into ancestry. I really became interested in it, but I could only do the tree from my mom's side. There was no way to do the tree for my dad's side. Many, many, many more years went by. <sighs> Then my family packed up and we moved to Atlanta. Moved to Atlanta and started our life here. And the church that we joined, the first lady was also into ancestry. One day she told me, she said, Kristen, they are having a sale on DNA. You Give a sample of DNA and 
they're having a sale and it's like 40, 50 bucks. I've never seen a sale like this from them before. And so I was like, oh, really? But I, I didn't really do it. I was like, well, what would I be doing it for? And she said, you know, maybe, maybe you'll find your father. I said, well, if I do it, that would be the only reason. But I think the likelihood of that is pretty low. So I waited. Then the next holiday came around and there was another sale going on. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put my faith out there. I'm going to do this test and see if I find my father. So the test came in and honestly, I procrastinated to actually do it because I was trying to tell myself that my life was too busy for me to take the time to spit in a cup and mail it in. And all of my friends and co-workers was like, Kristen, you need to go ahead and do this. Your father could be out there. You might find him. So I did it. I spit in a cup, sealed it up, and sent it off to Ancestry.com. It took about six to eight weeks. I got an email saying there was a delay, but it would be coming in. And then, boom, the results came in. The same day the results came in, I'm looking at the unique places that my DNA is linked to. And I find out that a, a big portion of my roots is in the Bahamas, which I thought was an ironic thing because I always said I was never going to the Bahamas because of the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> I had all of these preconceived notions from watching television that um, that was not going to be a good idea for me to do. And then here it is. My roots is in the Bahamas. But it would explain if I was part Caribbean why my hair was so curly and nobody else in my family looked like me. And then I saw a woman pop up as like a 99.9% .9 relative. And her name was Jackie Jones. Now, Jackie didn't stand out to me, but Jones did. My mom said my dad's name was Brian Jones. Who is this Jackie Jones? So I decided to reach out to her. I sent her a message asking her if she knew of someone named Brian Jones, that that was what I was told, who I was told was my father, and I had been looking for him all my life. She responded immediately. She said, yes, my brother's name is, is Brian Jones. Okay, now we got something here, right? So I messaged her back and she, well, she asked me if I had any other information. And so I said, well, the only thing that I know is that he graduated um, from college in Houston, University of Houston. And so she messaged me back. She says, my brother graduated from the University of Houston. Uh, hopefully I'm saying it right because I don't remember. I'm not from Houston, so I'm from Dallas, but... Bingo, we have some success here. So we get to talking more and she's 
she sends me a picture and I see this picture of him. And so I, I let everyone sit and they're like, oh my gosh, Kristen, he looks, you look just like him. He doesn't have any eyebrows. You don't have any eyebrows. And I mean, it was just really so funny. And so I sent her a picture of me and she felt that I looked just like the family. And she said, well, I'm going to have him call you. He called me that night. And when he called me, the first thing out of his mouth was, yes, you are my daughter. You are my daughter. I cried for two weeks with tears of joy and thanksgiving because of God's faithfulness. I was 38 years old. It took 38 years to find my father. But I never lost hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. When I talked to my dad, we talked for hours. And then two weeks later, he came to see me and my twin because I am a twin. And I found out that I was the oldest of seven. And I got to meet all of my siblings. And then I went through this stage of depression again because then I was going through the fact that I lost out on all of these years. But the Lord slowly gave me a revelation about the loss of the years. Sometimes what we think is a loss is not. There were reasons why the Lord did not have me grow up with my father and with my siblings. Now, my siblings is sort of a different story, but with my father... The Lord did not allow me to grow up with him. And it it was really because, honestly, if I had to grow up with my dad, I wouldn't have the relationship with God that I have today. Matter of fact, I probably wouldn't have believed in God at all. See, my dad is not really a Christian. And his beliefs are extremely extreme. We don't share the same belief system. My siblings are absolutely wonderful. Oh my gosh. They are amazing siblings. My loss there was that I thought that if I had a grew up with them, we would have had more of a bond and a closeness. But I've come to find out over the last six years that my siblings have struggled to have a bond with each other. And they didn't, they don't, they're close, but they're not close like you would think that siblings would be. So it turns out that I'm probably right where I would have been anyway. Sometimes we think that the things that happen to us in life are, are not for our good. But the Lord always has a way of making things in our life 
turn out for our good. Whatever bad we think happened to us turn out for our good. So now what's important is time. The time that we have left, we have to make the best of it. We can't get time back. So it's been six years, and what I can do with the six years is build a relationship with my dad, build a relationship with my siblings, and go from there and appreciate and love them in the space that I have. But none of this would have happened if I did not have hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I hope this podcast today has been uplifting for you. I hope that you're able to glean from my story and find your own and your own place with perseverance and hope. Thank you so much for listening to Kristen's Simple Life Podcast, and I will be with you next time. Hello, this is Kristen, and thank you so much for listening to Kristen's Simple Life. For John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you are not saved and desire a deeper relationship with God, all you have to do is confess your sins to him and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And that is it, folks. You are saved. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. And if you want to follow me on social media, I am on Instagram at Kristen Simple Life. God bless you, and I will be with you next time.